This podcast is brought to you by the Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Jazzed About Work, where we talk about everything that might have an impact on your career. I'm your host, Bev Jones. I'm an executive coach and an author, and my new book is called Find Your Happy at Work, 50 Ways to Get Unstuck, Move Past Boredom, and Discover Fulfillment. Our guest today, Brandon Laws, is an expert on the workplace and on work trends. He's an executive at Zenium, a company that helps employers create modern work cultures. And Brandon's popular podcast is called Transform Your Workplace. Today, we talk about sweeping changes being navigated by employers and their teams. We talk about how employees have more power than they used to. And we look at 2022 trends in the job market. And in some ways, the human resources field is shifting to better address them. Brandon, you're in the business of human resources, and I know that you are really on top of things about all the changes that are happening in the workplace, and so there's so many things we can talk about today. But before we get into all of that, on Jazzed About Work, we always like to hear a little bit about the guest's own career um, path and how you, how, do, how you got to where you are today. Could you tell us a little bit about how you became an expert in human resources and workplace issues and what, what you're doing these days? Yeah, Bev, thanks for the opportunity. It's, uh, it's great to talk to you again. My, I have a really interesting and weird career. I've actually worked for the same company for over 13 years. We're uh, based out of kind of the Portland, Oregon area. And I started right out of school. We're, uh, Zenium is the company name, and we're uh, an HR consulting firm, and we do payroll processing for small and medium-sized companies. And I started when I think we had 20 employees, and I was in a, an operational role, which is kind of weird. Uh, but I had a business management degree and decided to just start somewhere in the corporate world. And we were so small and didn't have a marketing team, but I, I reported up into the sales and marketing team. And I started I started grabbing onto different marketing functions within this HR company. And so naturally, I'm like learning how to market um, in the corporate world, but also because it's such a, uh, niche industry in the human resources space, I spent so much time learning HR and naturally by osmosis, I'm learning from all these HR consultants that we have, cause I'm hearing these insane stories about them working with their clients. So over the years, when you fast forward 13 years, I've been with this company and there's, I've seen the great res- recession back in 2008, I've uh, seen a lot of the economic growth and just what comes with that uh, with our clients. And then now with all this COVID stuff, I'm hearing and seeing and reading about all of these uh, these situations with our clients and they're across different industries. So that is sort of how I became this HR expert. And what's interesting and how I met you originally is I have a podcast called Transform Your Workplace that I started back in 2012. And I get to talk to people like you all day. Uh, so I, I read a lot of HR and leadership-based books and and educate myself that way. And I, I feel like I stay pretty plugged into what's going on in the, the world of HR and, and what the needs of people are. So that is me in a nutshell. 
It's amazing to be able to have a mixture of clients so you learn about the issues because you see what they're struggling with. But then isn't it a luxury to to be able to kind of tap into experts from all over the place now that you have your client challenges in place? Yeah, it is so refreshing to hear what people are. I mean, really, I'm talking to people across the nation and even the world. So it's interesting to hear like what they're going through and how they're they're dealing with workplace situations. And and then even getting to tap into the HR consultants at, at Zenium. I mean, we have about 30 of them and they're working with companies across, I mean, professional services or manufacturing, nonprofits. And so these they have all sorts of unique situations that I'm getting insight from. And I sort of get to just capture that and talk about it. And I sort of get to make up my own opinions about uh, the way work should be done. So it's been a, a fun ride. And I'm really excited to see where the world of HR goes because the needs of employees are changing so dramatically, especially in this current environment with COVID and, and all that. So, Well, let me, let me test a theory on you. Yeah. For years... Uh, in, in my own corporate and um, consulting life before I was coaching, I was starting to think that human resources is the base of many problems because they try to do well and then they lock in requirements that don't make sense and they slow things down. And and since I've been coaching all this time, HR often appears in conversations as the villain. Well, we had this great person and we were so excited to recruit him, but we couldn't get him because HR couldn't go through its steps fast enough to, and they got another job. So HR for many people has been kind of the frustrating people over in the corner, not a partner, but I'm starting to get the sense that because the workplace is changing so rapidly. The kind of red tape kind of HR people are being pushed over, pushed out. And there's a sort of a reinvention of the whole field. Is is that happening? You know, I, I do think there's a transformation happening. What comes to mind when you were, were starting to talk about why HR has been seen as this like rigid, like department of knows what I call it. it I, I think of like Toby from the office, the show, The Office, and uh, probably your listeners would recognize that character. Is that is the tip that was in the past? That is the typical HR person, but I think things are changing a lot. Where things are not so policy driven. Granted, employers need policies in place, but I think a lot of good HR business partners are thinking more in terms of philosophy and how we do things and the way the culture is and what the, and they're tapping into what the needs of the people are and not so employer focused all the time, but really like, okay, how do we maximize productivity and happiness and inside the culture? And I know that's what a lot of what your book is about is like, how do you, how do you be happy at work? I think really good HR people are thinking that way. And I'm, I'm hopeful the future HR people will go down that path and be a true HR business partner. Think about what's good for the business and the employees, not just what's good for the business. So part of why the change is happening is that in the marketplace at the moment, employees and and, uh, potential employees have more power than they used to, don't they? So now, uh, I think leadership is aware that they need to keep people. They need to make people happy. And to a degree that was not the case before. 
Yeah, it is such an employee market right now that people are leaving. I mean, people are calling it the great resignation, which in my experience with hearing what our clients are going through and even, you know, my own company to a certain extent, people have opportunities that they didn't have before. I mean, there's employers out there willing to throw a a lot of money around to get top talent because the pool of talent is so limited. I was looking up a chart the other day that I think Yahoo Finance put out and it was like the job openings versus the supply of workers is just, there's such a disparity between the two. And so what you have is employers panicking that they can't get the talent in there to run their business operations. So I think um, <laughs> that's why there's a lot of the shift is happening with, with HR and, and leadership in general is that you got to keep people and you got to attract people. And so if you have a, not so great workplace where people, you know, they, they can go somewhere else and, and it's the grass is greener on the other side. There's no reason they would stay or even come to your workplace if it's not so good. So that's why I think there's a shift happening and uh, employers are starting to wake up and I'm thankful for that. Of course, one of the things that's um, impacting everything is the um, rise in remote work. All of a sudden, after fighting it for years, some employers have discovered, wow, it can work. It can work for us and we have the technology. So people who were not able to change jobs because they didn't want to change schools or something like that, now they're in the in the market again. But it's not going to be all that simple for a lot of um, companies, I think, or a lot of organizations because it's hard to implement something that might be hybrid. What are your thoughts about how things are going to shake out with some remote workers in some places, but hybrid workplaces and trying to get everybody to work together? Are are you seeing issues around that? Bev, this is one of the most complicated things. Uh, And I I can waffle back and forth on, on this particular answer because it's so new for a lot of employers. They're trying to figure out how to, for one, if they if they had to go fully remote during COVID, they maybe struggled through it or they saw that the, there was benefits to it. Uh, not only was it probably good for employees to to be able to do it and have the flexibility and autonomy and, and that's a benefit. But now like with this current market, now you are not limited to where you can hire people. So with remote work, you can hire people all over the world. And that is a huge benefit. Now, the dark side to this is like even in a fully remote or a hybrid environment, relationships and the culture suffer big time. And I've I've noticed that because we like my company, we had a we had an, a great we still have a great culture, but it's just so vastly different than the one where we were in person all the time. So I worry about that, and I don't know what the solutions are because with with Zoom and all these other technology tools, I mean, just interacting with people all day on that is really tough. And it's just not the same as being in person. I, I actually had an in-person meeting yesterday, uh, which is it's few and far between. And it's just like the energy you get from being in person with people, especially for important meetings. Like we had a, a big leadership meeting where we we're rolling out goals and initiatives for 2022. And something like that, it just there's so much energy in the room from it. And I miss that. 
Whereas in a fully remote environment, you just, you're not, you're not getting that. You're not seeing body language and the reactions of people and, and having that really close connection and, and building relationships. So I, I don't, there's no perfect answer for this. I just, I worry long-term about being remote and hybrid, but I think it is, it's a way to, um, be really productive and efficient. So I think it's good for the business. I don't know if it's good for people though. Well, there's no way there's that we go back to not having lots of remote work, but there are going to be bumps in the road. I, I remember back when I was starting out as a young lawyer years and years ago, when there weren't that many uh, women, particularly more senior women in Washington law firms and the culture uh which came from clients. I did a lot in the energy field and things like that. The The culture was going out for long lunches and going out for uh, dinners and drinking and playing golf on the weekends and yeah. things like that. And as a young woman, I had to be more cautious, even if anybody invited me, which was often not the case. And we really saw the women entering the field that we were second class, even when people wanted us, even when they were trying, because we weren't going out drinking, we weren't playing golf. And um, that's how a lot of the client um, bonding occurred. That's how those strong relationships were. And it was really hard for women to get clients. So what I'm thinking is that could be something like this, that even if the employer wants to treat everybody the same, if a third of the people come in the office and they go out to lunch and they're so happy to see other people, hmm. that's going to be a different class of engagement than everybody else has. Do you, are, are, are your people starting to think about that? Yeah, we uh, we always have a lens of inclusion in the workplace mm -hmm. and we talk about it a lot. And <clears throat> that is the concern we have is in this type of hybrid environment, if you have groups of people might be in the office and could have a, a nice group meeting that can go out for drinks, like you said, and then you have this other group of people that might be remote. And where's the inclusion there? It's, it's, we, I'm concerned about it long term. That's why I said, I don't know if remote work and hybrid is going to work great long term for, for the culture. It's, I think it's going to work fine for productivity in, in the business, but I worry about people and the relationships. And I care about happiness as I know you do. And because I think happier employees make for really engaged and productive employees. And this is, I'm, I'm telling you, this is just one area where I don't have the answer to. And I'm, but we're talking about it a lot and we're asking people what they want and what they need. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, <laughs> to sum it up, that's, I just don't know how the answers it's, it's one of those things where I, I think time will tell. Big questions. Well, one of the trends I notice is that, a lot of employers are starting to raise questions and uh, think seriously about mental health. This has been quite a couple of years for many people, obviously, and uh, employees are suffering from isolation, from loneliness, from anxiety, from disease, all of those kinds of things. It feels as though one of the transformative aspects of, of some people programs in organizations is saying, we're going to take some responsibility. We're going to look whether it's check-in apps or it's wider availability of, uh, of remote therapy or whatever it is, that, that seems to be something that's happening. Are, are you finding that some of your consultants are being asked to 
think about mental health approaches in the in the workplace? Oh, we're getting asked about it all the time. And what I what I think what I know that we're we're telling them the employers is to really stay clo- in close connection with the employees and to keep a pulse on how they're feeling and what they need and to provide the resources too. I think at the bare minimum, have an, have an EAP, an employee assistance program readily available. So people have access to therapy and other mental health services. But beyond that, I mean, managers should really have regular one-on-ones with people and be talking about how they're feeling. I always like to do like a pulse check with my employees. I've, I have several employees and what I always like to start the meeting with is like scale of one to 10, how you feeling today? How you feeling this week? And whatever number they give me is a, is a good like talking point. Because if they say a five, I'm like, unpack that for me. Like what, like what's, what's going on? And if there's something that I can glean from that conversation, then there maybe there's action I can take, whether it's like, you know what, take the rest of the day off, take the rest of the week off. Um, you know, here's a, here's a resource for you. Hey, let's, let's meet in person. Let's go have a cup of coffee. Let's talk there. People need to be paid attention to, and they, and managers are that, that bridge, I think between like the business itself and like how employees are feeling. Cause I, to your point, like they're pretty isolated. So I'm always telling people like one-on-ones are a great opportunity, but also at the bare minimum EAP. Um, if you, if you can pay for you know, therapists and things like that, or give people extra PTO or half day Fridays, whatever it may be to just give people a chance to just disconnect. Because I think that's the big issue is like, we're just sucked into technology all day long. And it's, it's, uh, it's struggling for a lot of people. We'll be back with Bev after this brief message. Are you ready to make a difference in the world? The Voinovich School of Leadership and Public Affairs at Ohio University can give you the skills to do just that. The school offers a multidisciplinary approach where public policy, environmental studies, and entrepreneurship come together to educate tomorrow's leaders. Learn more about the Masters in Public Administration or environmental studies by visiting ohio.edu backslash Voinovich School. One aspect of this that is, is kind of implicit is that managers need to have perhaps more authority, more resources to work with their team members in the way uh, you just described. In some places, a manager cannot say, uh, take the rest of the day off, take a day off. If I do a lot of uh, federal government work. Well, manager has difficulty doing that in that kind of environment. So having uh, managers have the, have the flexibility, have to, to, uh, deal with time off, getting away from rigid old uh, kinds of personal leave programs. That seems to be part of what has to happen, don't you think? I do. You know, one of the things that I've really talked to a lot of employers about and just I talk about it even on my podcast too, is like we need to get over this like butts and seats, nine to five, like rigid uh, way of working 
I think if, if you're a manager and you're managing to results and you're managing performance that way, then what does it matter if you're saying like, you know what, take the rest of the day off. I care about you as a person and your mental health. And by the way, you're, you're killing it right now. Like you're getting the work done. So take the rest of the day off. I think employers need to empower their managers to make decisions like that. They're adults. They've been through this. And at the end of the day, you're only as good as like what your people can contribute. And if they're not happy and healthy and and ready to come to work on a regular basis, then you're going to suffer anyways. So I, I really hope employers would, would listen to even a conversation like this and say, you know what, it's time to empower my managers to make grown up decisions like this in the best interest of the people. And of course, there are some places where it's not so easy to do remote work in a hospital or restaurant or so forth. And yet those people are also frustrated. In some cases, they've been first responders. They've been on the front lines in one way or another, and they're feeling the same kind of anxiety and frustration and desire for change as as their friends who are going to be able to work from home. Are there some new kinds of flexibilities that might come up, like a four-day work week or different kind of scheduling? Are, Are there solutions emerging for people who can't work remotely? Yeah, for for the physical office, uh, you said like first mm-hmm. responders, too, like people, nurses, doctors, like that that environment. I couldn't even imagine what they're going through right now. But I agree, like a, a condensed work week. I'm hearing a lot of that. So whether it's a four day work week or even less, or you know, fl- flexible schedules, I think is really important for people because life is happening. I, I know for a lot of listeners who have kids, the schooling situation is crazy right now with like, you know, if somebody tests positive for COVID, they're like pulling kids out of school. And my, my son was just tested the other day because he was around a, a child. And so like, I have to drop everything and go, you know, deal with that. And I know a lot of parents out there are dealing with it. So not just work is, is crazy and taxing on our mental health, but you've got, you know, you got parents and just other life situations that they're, they're bringing to work with them. So I think employers who can give grace and flexibility with their schedules, even with the physical environment, I think, uh, you know, the better off we're going to be with the physical environment. It's a little trickier. So I, I think the flexible schedule, four day work week, uh, extra breaks, whatever it takes to give people a chance to just step away, clear their head. And of course, all the resources we mentioned earlier too is, is very necessary for the, the in-person um, work environment. Well, I, I liked a theme that I noticed when I was, I was looking a, a bit ago at the Zenium um, website, which by the way, has lots of wonderful information about these issues on it. And I, I, I was looking at your free ebook. There's a free ebook on seven pitfalls to avoid when building out your people practices. And, and the last one is one I think we all have to remember. And the pitfall is assuming you know what your employees want. Yeah. <laughs> the fact is everything's changing so quickly. Um, it's hard to generalize. It's one generalization maybe we can make is don't assume, listen, ask. Is is that something that you're kind of teaching your clients to do? 100%. So what's interesting is uh, on that that mistake number seven that you just mentioned, assuming people know what they are, you know what your employees want. 
a lot of employers are not asking that question. So they're not having those one-on-ones like I described, or they're not surveying their people on a regular basis because the needs are changing nonstop. So we actually at Zenium, every year we run this free survey called what people want from work. And we, we ask questions about like leadership, workplace environment, culture, your manager, um, compensation of benefits. And, and we try to capture the essence of like what what the trends are and what people actually want. And we give that survey data back to the employer. So they have some sort of talking point with their employees, whether it's in one-on-ones or an all team meeting, and they can describe like, here are the steps we're going to take in order to, to make these changes that you're asking for. And if there's some like one-off cases where, um, you know, a couple people are going through something where they, they need accommodations or whatever, then they, they take those up with the employees and, and accommodate them the way they need to be. But it's so important to be constantly asking your employees what they want because times are changing and it's happening so fast as you could imagine with this current environment. Another uh, pitfall that that ebook mentions, which I think is, um, really important is it's a mistake to think that HR can drive the culture. The, these issues are so fundamental that the challenge is perhaps to get everybody involved. Is, is that creating a, a, a change in the way maybe the top levels of an organization um, connect with the team members across the board? Yeah. Well, you know what we do at Zenium, which we've done for years and we coach other employers to do it this way is leadership or sorry, culture cannot be driven just from a centralized unit, which is HR, or it could even just be the leadership team. It needs to be across all levels. So what we structure it like is leadership, uh, whether it's the executive group or you have a wider leadership team should really set the tone. Like what are our behaviors or actions? Like what do we want out of our culture? Guiding principles are helpful uh, so people know what's expected of them. And then from there, HR can get involved. But then having some sort of like task force or a group of employees at the contributor level, uh, we call it um, a culture committee at, at Zenium. And it's made up of regular contributor people. So it's an extension of the leadership team. But it's the voice of the people. And so we have like all of these different levels. And of course, ma- middle managers are going to um, integrate the the guiding principles throughout all of the people practices that they're doing. Like so integrated in one-on-ones and recognition programs and things like that. So at every layer, you're living and breathing what the culture is intended to be based on what the executive team wants. So... I think it's important to have buy-in at all levels, and that's that's truly how you drive culture, not just like, hey, HR person, go go create a great culture for us. It does not work that way. Well, it's the beginning maybe of a of a new age in the workplace. I I think all of this kind of thinking, listening, and getting people involved, and uh, loosening up the grip that old-fashioned HR had. All of those are good things that could be happening. Something else I think may be happening now is new 
opportunities open up for all kinds of people. I One group I've been particularly concerned with, because I have a lot of clients in this sector, are people who are over 50. Um, and, you know, they could have another 20, You're 25 right. years ahead. And yet, and wherever they happen to be, they feel like they're washed up and there aren't any opportunities. It seems to me that this is a wonderful time for people who feel marginalized to um, get into the new parts of the workplace. But focusing on this this 50-plus group, which may more realistically be 60-plus, do you have any suggestions for how uh, that group, which may be moving a little more slowly and kind of reimagining remote work and things like that, do you have any suggestions on how they might take advantage of the opportunities that are out there in the job market? Yeah. So, it, I mean, it really depends on if they're working or not. So I'd say, let, let's start with the the group of 50 plus that are currently in the workforce, but are looking to up their skills. I think reverse mentoring is humongous. Like it's a it's such a value add. So if you, what that means is you would probably partner with like a millennial or even a Gen Z as a 50 plus and you mentor each other. So you're learning things from, from that probably younger group who's digitally native and just really adapts to technology and, and the speed so quick. And then on the reverse side, then you're, you're mentoring them on probably like empathy and emotional intelligence yeah. and all these things that, you know, seasoned experienced people uh, have probably learned throughout their, their career. So I'd say for the people that are working, the reverse mentoring is, is huge. And then for those that are just job seeking or look, looking to ad, adapt to this new environment, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of great tools out there for uh, hard and soft skills. I mean, LinkedIn learning is, is a great piece. I mean, even just connecting with the right people on LinkedIn and, and kind of watching the trends and things like that is, I think is, is great. And um, I mean, with the, with the current environment in, in all the technology and how, Thing, fast things are moving. It is really hard to develop those skills without having experienced it. So I would just consider like the networking piece is huge. And, and that's why I, I kind of resorted to LinkedIn first and with the LinkedIn learning, because there's so many courses on teaching you these different skills and it's just low hanging fruit there. And then if you connect with the right people, uh, ask the right questions about how to adapt. Um, I mean, heck, I would even be happy to talk with anybody who's like looking to figure out how do I adapt to this world of remote work and tech. I love technology. I'm I'm kind of a geek when it comes to that. So, I mean, anybody listening, feel free to reach out to me. I'd be happy to to give you some some tips on, on how to adapt to this world because it's I mean it's challenging. Well, on that front, how can people reach you if they really would like to take you up? But also, I want you to spell the name of your company so people can find it because the website is so full of good information. Oh, thank you. Yeah, the company is Zenium HR. So you can uh, go to zeniumhr.com. It's spelled X-E-N-I-U-M-H-R.com. So not a Z, it's an, it's an X to start with. And then, you know, for, for me, like reach out to me on, on LinkedIn, uh, Brandon Laws is my name. And I'm also on, I'm a heavy user on Instagram. Feel free to connect with me there. It's uh, Laws Brandon is my uh, handle. I'm on Twitter, Brandon Laws, and uh, pretty much all over the web. And of course, like my, my podcast, Transform Your Workplace. If you, you want to hear me and the guests talk about, how we're transforming the workplace for employees so we're happier and healthier and more productive. That that's a great 
podcast to follow. It It's a good one. It's one of the most popular in the field, and you've been there for a long time, and you've got an amazing array of guests. So I, I urge listeners, if they're interested in the kind of issues we're talking about today, that's another way to find really good dialogue. Well, I, I just have one final question for you now, Brandon, and that is, I think if I were starting out with all the change going on, I kind of like being where the change is. I think I'd be interested in human resources as a field. I never would have predicted that, but it is kind of a happening place in some places. Do you have any suggestions for people who are starting to think, you know, maybe I'd like to get into HR? Yeah, I personally, if I were to start an HR career from the ground up, I would be following all of the influences that influencers that are out there from an HR perspective. Twitter's huge for the HR community. Um, I follow tons of amazing people, uh, Lars Schmidt, Lori Rudiman, the list goes on, but I would follow all of them and just see what they're talking about and the issues that they're dealing with. Um, Sherm is always a good place to, to go for HR people. Um, you know, the other thing I would just say in general about the HR profession is that a lot of organizations are, they want people with business experience as well. So even somebody with like a business degree or a business background or came up through operations, uh, kind of the way I did, I mean, people, they want business savvy people, not just policy driven HR professionals. So I think a good mixture of business leadership, uh, that side also with, uh, you know, a little slice of the HR side, which is, you know, like the compliance and the culture and all that. I think that's really important for the modern day HR professionals. So anybody starting their career from the ground up, I would kind of take a hybrid approach to the HR profession. Well, there are a lot of opportunities, it feels like. And in um, fact, there are a lot of opportunities all over the place about <laughs> many things. So it's it's kind of an exciting time. And it's a matter, I think, of our keeping our values in mind as we sort of navigate through. I 100% agree. Brandon, it was wonderful to talk with you again today. I hope we stay in touch and uh, I'll keep watching uh, the information you and your folks are putting out because it is it's a it's a lively time and it's really interesting so thank you for being here today bev it's been my pleasure thanks for having me on your show today we've been talking with brandon laws about sweeping changes in the workplace this podcast is produced by woub public media adam rich is our audio engineer i'm your host bev jones author of Find Your Happy at Work. Today's tip is that you do have power to change your work life, whether that means finding a new job or getting more satisfaction from the one you have now. Thanks for listening, and if you enjoy Jazzed About Work, we would love it if you'd give us a five-star rating.